Christmas season, one thing that we have always said as a church that we want to be is we want to be a church that is giving and that shares what God has blessed us with with other people. And so over the last few weeks, a lot of you have been involved in this whenever you go to the, uh, whenever we go to our schools, our local schools uh, with donuts for dads and grits for grandparents and muffins for mom and, and I don't know all the alliterations that you can come up with. Uh, we, the church has you guys, you purchase all that food for the different schools around here and a lot of you go into the schools and you serve. And so we have a, just, we just wanted you to see some of the pictures of some of the things that, uh, that you've been involved in the schools over the last several weeks. So I thought I'd just take this opportunity to let you just see what you do. So if y'all go ahead and show that, that video right now. Y'all did a great job, so thank y'all for doing that. Uh, next week is our budget meeting, and I always tell people our donut budget is outrageous in this church. So thank y'all very much for, uh, for serving the people in the community. If you have your Bible today, we are continuing our series on Advent, and our focus today is going to be on peace. And so if you have your Bible, you might want to look here. It's Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look in verse number 9 in just a few moments, so I'm sure that you're going to be very familiar with this story, but before we get started, I'll just, I, I don't know how many of y'all uh, went and saw the movie a few years back, it was called Hacksaw Ridge, are y'all familiar with that, with that movie? Uh, you might remember that's a story about a guy named Desmond Doss, and he was a medic, he was a guy who was actually a pacifist, took very seriously the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, and, uh, and just said, I will, not, I will not carry a gun, but I will be a medic in the army, and when he was in Okinawa, his, his, his troops were trapped on top of a cliff and as he was up there he heard somebody calling for help so it's a guy that doesn't carry a rifle and so he went to rescue the guy and he goes through all of the the Japanese shooting at him he's able to rescue the guy takes him ties a I was it like a double bowline knot that was a big deal in the movie uh, around the man and he helps repel him down the side of a cliff when he hears somebody else saying calling out for help and so he goes back and he gets that man, rescues him. You might remember the scene in the movie where he's sitting down and he prays. And he said, Lord, just help me to get one more. By the end of the day, the U.S. Army said that he had rescued, they believe, over 75 men from that mountaintop under gunfire the entire time. Now they asked him why he did it. And he said, well, they were crying out for help. And he said, and I was the man there, and I was the man for the job. Now, I, I listened to that story, and here's what I thought. I thought, y'all, that, that is Christmas. That, that is exactly what it is. And God is looking down in our world, and man is crying out for help. And so what God did is God sent his son Jesus here in order to rescue us because Jesus was the man for the job. And so today we celebrate that. And today we are, we are celebrating the second Sunday of Advent, and I shared with you before, I, I did not grow up 
celebrating Advent, and so this is always a, just sort of a new thing for me. But Advent very simply means the coming or the arrival. And it was the, the Jewish people who were anticipating, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah when God would send his chosen one in order to come and bring rescue to their people, to bring rescue to mankind. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to see that God provided through the sending of his son Jesus into our world, he provided rescue. And through all of that, what he provided is he provided us with peace. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see how the announcement of the birth of Jesus, how, how it came about to the public, and we're going to see how the birth of Jesus brought peace to man in the midst of a world in this day that was very full of chaos. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and look with me. We're going to look in Luke chapter 2, verse number 9. Um, just a little background information. At this time, Israel was living under a false peace. Uh, if you, uh, for those of you who are history buffs during the time that Jesus was born, uh, they, were, they were living under uh, an occupied, there was an occupying government that was over them. Y'all remember who it was? What empire? The Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire's over them. They had this false peace, and they said, yeah, you're, you're living in a peaceful nation right now, but, but we have a military force that is in your land. Uh, they, they appointed a half-Jewish man named Herod to be like their puppet king over them. And Herod was an, he was an incredible builder. Matter of fact, whenever you go to Israel, there is still stuff st uh, standing to this day that Herod built. It's really amazing. But Herod, he was a crazy man. And he was a guy that just, he scared the people so badly that the people, they could not wait until his reign was over. They, they were anti, they were anti-government, anti-Roman. They were looking for freedom. They were looking for peace. And so God sent peace. And he sent peace, and it, was, it came through the birth of Jesus. And I said, well, how does Jesus' birth actually bring peace? We're going to look at a few ways that his birth brings peace. And the first way that Jesus' birth brought peace is Jesus was born to remove fear. Jesus does not want us to live this life in fear. Now, and I think you can really kind of get a glimpse of this whenever you look down in verse number, in verse number 9. It says, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Okay, now if you grew up in the church, you know the story. You know, it's whenever the angels appear. There's some shepherds out in the field. They're outside of, of the town of Bethlehem. Y'all might remember the town of Bethlehem. It was a little town. And so they're outside the town of Bethlehem. They're just doing their everyday job. You know, they're out there tending their sheep, and an angel shows up and starts talking to them. Now, I would think that if an angel showed up in front of you or me, and I'm out by myself in the woods, it's going to scare me to death. Okay, so the angel shows up, and, and, he, and he shares with them, says, listen, I have, I have good intentions for you. He says, I bring you a message of good tidings. I bring you good news. And then just to make them feel even a little bit better, and he tell, the angel tells them, don't be afraid. Because when Jesus comes... There's no reason for you to have fear. Instead, what you ought to have is peace. And yet, whenever I look around today and in our world, I think there's a lot of us that we really struggle 
with, with having peace in our lives. I mean, it's a world that really is, in a lot of ways, there's just so much chaos that is, that is going on around us. I mean, you, you look at the news, it seems like every, you know, like maybe every five minutes there's something that will come out on the news and it will tell us that it is, you know, it is breaking news. And, and very rarely is it good news. And so we, we live in a state of, of fear, constant fear. And some of us, we live in the state of fear. We, we wonder, hey, I have bills. I don't know how I'm going to be able to pay for them. I don't know how this is going to work out for me. Well, that's, that's the people in our text. They were people who were living in fear. They were being governed by a Roman government. They had a Roman government that was coming into their very religious land and was polluting their land with pagan religion. Because the Romans were so powerful that they they didn't feel like there was anything that they could do. I mean, at this time, that the, the Roman government was they were in charge, basically, of all of the ancient world. And so some of us might feel like that. Feel like that peace is something that is elusive. You know, wondering, well, you know, where, where is God in our world today? Now, we can look in the Scripture and say, well, he showed up in physical form here, but what about today? You know, where, where, is, where is the God of Scripture in our lives today? And I think a lot of us, we, we long for a move of God, but maybe some of you in your own life, it, it has been so long since you've experienced a move of God in your life, you think, man, I don't, even, I don't even know if I'd recognize it if it came my way. Well, the shepherds had an encounter from heaven. Now, let me tell you something. It's, it scared them. I mean, it scared them to death. You know, as far as being scared, I, I read a story about a, a taxi driver and uh, he was picking up a cab fare, and the guy got in the back of his car and said that he's driving along to the address he'd been given. And the man in the back seat wanted to ask the cab driver a question, and so he tapped him on the shoulder. Well, the cab driver just, I mean, yanked the wheel. The car went out of control. They, they spun within inches of hitting another car. And, and the man was like, oh, my gosh, what in the world happened? And the, the cab driver said, man, you scared me to death. And he said, well, I, I, I didn't think just tapping you on the shoulder would scare you. He said, you don't understand, this is my first day on the job. He said, the last 20 years, I've been a hearse driver. Now, now yeah, there's a lot of us, you know, that live, that live in fear. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus did not come into the world in order to scare you. He, he did not come into the world in order to tell you, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to hit you in the head with a billy club. He came here to bring peace. That's what the Bible tells us. I mean, an angel told Joseph in Matthew 1, 20 and 21, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He doesn't want us to be afraid. And, and, and like I said earlier, man, we're just inundated with fear all the time. I mean, everything you watch on the news, it's worst case scenario. We got climate change coming in 12 years, our planet's gone. Like I said, you watch the news, breaking news, never good news. You, I mean, you watch, you watch commercials for medicine, and they tell you about how this medicine's going to help you, but then they start talking about the side effects. And I, and I listen to that, I think, you know what, I think I'm just going to go ahead and skip taking the medicine. I'm going to live with the disease. But, you know, we just constantly live in fear, and it, and it wears us out. And then I look into the Scripture, and I see that God sent Jesus into this world in order to give us freedom from fear. That's why we're told in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, then who can be 
against us. You see, this season is a time when we are reminded that God is for us. So so how does Jesus' birth bring peace? Well, it brings peace because he was born to remove fear. But Jesus' birth also brings, you know, brings us freedom and brings us peace because Jesus was, and this I love this part, Jesus was born for you. Jesus was born for you. Now I want you to look with me. Uh, let's go back and look in verse number, uh, verse number 11. It says, and today, the angel said, today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. You know, it, it is no secret that our lives, you know, that they're finite, right? I mean, we, we know this. We know that there is a beginning of life and that there is an end of life. Now, I think this is, this is probably how most of us live. You know, we know this, but deep down, I think a lot of us are thinking, I think I might be the exception. I might be the exception to the rule. So we try to do whatever we can in order, in, in order to extend ourselves. And one of the ways that we do this is we will ignore this fact of, of life being finite, and so we live in denial, and we just kind of go along in life acting like nothing's ever going to change. And that tends to become different as you get older and you begin to realize, yeah, this can't play out forever. And then there are, there are others of us, and we say, well, I'm going to prolong it for as long as possible. And, you know, I'll see people who will make these posts, and they talk about eating clean. Have you all seen those? I don't even know what that means. But I'm eating clean, and they'll post those things. I, I read an article about Greg Norman, you know, the golfer, the shark. And, and did you, he works out over two hours every day. He says his goal is to live to be 110 years old. Okay, now, I mean, I'll look at that. I'll say, there's nothing wrong with eating clean, I don't guess. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in good shape. Because let me tell you something. It does not matter what you do. Eventually, time is going to catch up with you. Right Now you might say, well, it's not going to catch up with me as quick as some people, and that might be true, but eventually it's going to catch up with you. And that's why the angel came and he said, I am bringing you good news of great joy. Well, what was the news? A Savior. So the Savior has been born. The word Savior in your text, here's what it means. It means a deliverer, one who brings salvation. Matthew 121 says you will name him Jesus because he has come in order to save his people from their sins. You say, Why do I need to be saved from my sins? Because of where sin leads. Sin is anything that is displeasing to God and sin leads people to death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death and, and we're told that all of us commit sin. So because of that, here's what it means. All of us are on a path to death. So what do we need? Yep, we need a Savior. We need somebody who's going to come in order to rescue us. Now, now you can think, well, you know, whenever I think of God, you know, the only one that God's going to rescue, he's only going to rescue good people. You know, he's only going to rescue people who have good hearts, those who, who pay attention to him, those who, who love him. And there, there are some people we feel like, you know, we're, man, we're just disqualified from the grace of God because of the way we've lived, because of some of the stuff that we've done. Listen, if you buy into that, that is a lie that comes from the devil. I mean, look, look back in verse number 11. Who was the Savior born for, if you look in verse number 11? Two really important words. Who was he born for? For you. 
Now you might say, well, he's talking to the shepherds here. He's not talking to me. He is talking to the shepherds. That's interesting that the Savior came for shepherds. Shepherds were not, it's not like that was the, the cream of the crop as far as what people thought of, uh, it, you know, as far as in, in their status symbol. Uh, they, they were unclean. It was very difficult for them to go to the temple because they were always with animals. Uh, they, they were people who, who were considered to be dirty. They, they were gone for a long time from their families, and yet we are told that the Savior came for them as well. Now, whenever you look at the totality of Scripture, you will see the universality of a Savior. The Savior came for everybody, which means for you. This is what the Bible says. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. He says, For Christ's love compels us, since we have reached this conclusion. If one, who is Jesus, died, who's it say for? For all. Jesus died for all, then all died. And, and he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. You know what I notice here? The coming of Jesus has nothing to do with us earning it. It has nothing to do with us deserving it. It is simply that Christ is compelled to love us. That's who Jesus is. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Jesus loves you. He came for you so that you might have peace. There was a pastor, his name's Norm Johnson, and he just talked about a hospital visit. And I, as I was reading it, I, was, I understood this story. He was visiting a man in his church named Bill who was very ill. He just, the Bill just came with his wife to church. And, and so the doctor came in while the pastor was there, and the doctor told him, said, there's nothing else we can do. You're not going to make it. And the pastor said, it was kind of weird. He said, I'm sitting there. He's like, he gave him no hope. I mean, he just told him that, you're not going to make it. And he left. And he said, and I thought, well, this is my opportunity to tell him, talk to him some more about Jesus. And the end's coming. He said, I told him, I said, hey, Bill, don't you think this would be a really good time to go ahead and just say, I'm going to give myself to Jesus? And the guy, he said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm at the end here. And so he, he prayed, gave his life to Jesus. Next day, there's another doctor came in and said, hey, you know, I want to try something different with you. And so they gave him a new treatment, and immediately the treatment began to work, and God healed Bill. And it was, was, you know, kind of, it's one of those, you know, neat little stories, but I think what he said was more profound than the fact that he ended up getting healed. Here's what he said. He said, this is what happened to me when I was in the hospital. He said, I realized this, when you have nothing left but God, then for the first time, you become aware God is enough. That's all we need. That's why Jesus came. Because he's enough for us. He is all that we need. See, Jesus brings peace into our world because he removes fear. His birth brings peace into our world because he was born for you. And that's the last thing I want us to see. Jesus' birth brings peace because he was born in order to bring reconciliation. And, and you can see this. If you look with me in verses, let's see, verses 12, verses 12 through 14. It says, And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people 
he favors. You know, you might remember the story that Jesus told in the Bible about the about Lazarus and the rich man. You remember that story? And uh, Lazarus, that both of the men died, and Lazarus ended up being and uh, being with the Lord up in heaven, and the rich man ended up in a place of torment. You might remember the the man who was in the place of torment, the rich man. He began to call out. This is to Abraham. Abraham, send send Lazarus down here. Let him just give me just a little drop of water because this is such a horrible place. And Abraham responded to him, and in Luke 16, 25 and 26, this is Jesus' story. He said, Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here while you're in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot. Neither can those from there cross over to us. He said, what is this talking about here? And here's what I notice about this. this that there is a great chasm that stands between God and man. And we want to do whatever we can in order to, to cross that big void to get over to God. But there's not really anything we do can do. Have, have you ever, how many of y'all have been to the Grand Canyon before? Have y'all ever seen the Grand Canyon? Okay, here's what I notice about the Grand Canyon. It is a big hole in the ground, right? I mean, it's really big. Now, let's say you come to the edge of the Grand Canyon and you try to jump over the Grand Canyon. How, how's that going to That's going to work out as well for you as it did for Evil Knievel and Snake River Canyon. You're not going to make it. And you might say, well, what if, what if a great Olympian jumper tried it? Well, he's going to jump farther than you, but you're still both going to end up in the same place, which is at the bottom of the canyon, dead. Right? I mean, nobody can jump over the canyon. Okay, so there is a great chasm like the Grand Canyon that stands between man and God. So what did God do? Knowing that we cannot cross that chasm, he sent a Savior. He sent Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, in order to bridge the gap between God and man. Now you might say, well, what if I do a lot of good stuff? You know, what if I'm a nice guy? What if I help, you know, old ladies cross the street? What if I come to church every Sunday? Now those are all good things, but they are never enough to cover the debt of sin that we each carry before God. So that's why Jesus came, to bridge the gap. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21, it says, Everything's from God who reconciled us to himself. In other words, who bridged the gap between us and him through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he's committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, folks, God has created within every person a God-sized void that only he can fill. Now, how do you know that? Well, you know, if you go back to Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. I mean, think about that. That makes so much sense. Don't you, I mean, don't you, now maybe it's not all days, but don't, most of the time, don't you think, I would like to live forever. I would like all my friends, the people I love, I want them to live forever. I mean, don't you think that's a natural desire for us? I want us all to live forever. God has placed that inside of you. Now, what we've been trying to do ever since then 
He's trying to figure out how we can make that happen. Be a really good guy. You know, try to try to take care of myself physically. Maybe I can live forever. Okay, let me tell you something. There's only one who can bring you eternity, and that is Jesus. And that's why the angels came. They brought good news. And then they ended up saying this at the end. It says, he brings peace on earth to people he favors. Peace on earth to people he favors. Now, you can look at that and say, does that mean that God favors some people over others? Does that mean that God likes some people more than others? Let me, let me share with you. you, know, you look at the totality of Scripture, there, there is no doubt God loves all people. But when it talks about he favors people, out of all creation, you know who God favors out of all creation? People. Who did God give the message of salvation to? He gave it to people. So God favors people in all of creation. And so Jesus entered into a world that was devoid of peace. And he said, I'm bringing peace. He came into a world where the religious system of the day was weighing people down and not giving them hope. And Jesus said, I'm coming here in order to give you peace and a future. We live in a world like this. There's not peace. You know, we're struggling. We're fearful. You know, I mean, you look in the military. Yeah, do you realize in the, we've been in the Middle East in battle now for almost, over 20, for almost 20 years? We, we don't live in a world of peace. We don't have peace in so much of the, the religious system of the, 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 the country or really the world today as we now have so many who say that they are members of the body of Christ and yet they have a desire to appease culture more than be true to the word of God. And after a while, you can look around and say, man, I don't, I don't see any hope. Now, if you feel that way, that's how people in this book felt. But Jesus changed it all because he showed up on Christmas and he brought peace. Well, how does he bring peace? Well, Jesus brought peace and that he was born to remove fear. He was born for you and he was born to bring reconciliation. So here's, here's the big question. Do you have peace? Do you have peace in your life? Have you been reconciled to God? Because you see, that's, that's why Christmas came. God brought Jesus here to bridge the gap between him and man. Do you have peace? Thank you.